ladies and gentlemen, it's a Mingry Nation podcast, and you're like, hey, maybe you're getting in, in this in your feed, and you're like, didn't you just do a show? Uh, but I prepared you. I told you. Today we were going to have uh, a couple. It's a double dip. Uh, special time. So, uh, you know, that's what we're doing. here uh you know previous guest mr hank dickinson how are you doing how you doing right now i'm doing great looking forward to leaving tomorrow to uh to vegas with the mean green team that i watched uh practice earlier today for a little while um really excited really excited <laughs> yeah so i mean you know like if you again if you don't know and you're just listening to the show i don't know like, there are people like this like somebody texts me like hey so you know like they'll ask me like when the next game is you know I'm like the personal North Texas Google machine. Uh, and that's fine. Um, so Tuesday at, uh, I think it's like the 4 p.m. game, the 4 p.m. Las Vegas time game, right? Is what it is. Semifinal against Wisconsin uh, in the National Invitation Tournament, NIT. Uh, I don't think it's as, it's as prestigious. I was trying to decide. Someone was asking me this. Is it, would you rather go to the NIT semifinal? Or like the Sweet Sixteen, and I think I'd rather go to Sweet Sixteen. Uh, I mean, what are your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, what well, the- I think uh, I think every coach would tell you when you get in the NCAA tournament, you're playing for a national championship. And I think where Grant McCaslin has taken this program, it's not a joke, you know. And and so I, I think probably the NCAA, um, absolutely, you know, you, you'd rather be where FAU is, but. Mm-hmm. The fact that this team is, has been able to recalibrate as quickly as they can and make this tournament matter, it's national TV, it's all about the brand, it's great for the University of North Texas, and, you know, I, I guess maybe I've been around these kids a lot closer than most people, but they're excited to play. I'm excited to watch them, and, and I'd love to see Grant McCaslin cut down nets because, uh, you know, let's be honest, it might be the last time we get to be around him. So let, let's go out in style. Yeah, I got that sense. Like immediately talking to him post game UAB right in, in the CSA tournament uh, semifinal right after that game, uh, you know he said as much. He's like, I talked to them. Uh, we you know we want to stay together. I don't know exactly what was said. If they're like, let's go win NIT, that's gonna be our next thing. But uh, I mean, Tyler Perry said that a little bit earlier. A version of that too. So just putting different perspectives together, it sounds like they were just like, look, this was a a blip in the road, right? Because they're playing well. Blew out middle, blew out Western. Uh, blew out Louisiana Tech, and then started slow against UAB. But after that, I thought they played okay. They just couldn't overcome a 20-point lead, right? Um, and then, you know, like, since that point, blew out Alcorn State, a good squad. Blew out uh, uh, Sam Houston State, another good squad. And then handled, you know, uh, like some down a play, right? Down Abu Usman. Um, a very good Oklahoma State team on the road in, you know, gallagher Iba Arena. A very tough place to play. So all that tells you, hey, North Texas is playing impressive basketball at the right time. And were it not for that one game against UAB, who knows, right? Um, I, I certainly think, you know, watching FAU, as we're, as we're talking, FAU is leading at halftime against a very good Kansas State squad. Um, I thought that North Texas, 
was not very far behind Florida Atlantic this season. No. And, you know, people forget we played them twice early in the year. The first game was in December. The second was early January. And so the way the Mean Green looks now is a lot different than it did in those two matchups. And I think we were very, very reliant on Abu Usman. You remember um, Mm -hmm. game at home, foul trouble. That game's pretty much in the balance and, and really, really shaky once Abu fouls out we can play without Abu now. And obviously we've had to the last couple games. And so um, would have loved to have gotten a third shot at FAU, but what they're doing right now, I mean, let's, let's really give Dusty Mason due. I've been traveling to to Boca Raton for 20 years now. (laughs) There used to be nobody in that gym, one of the more pedestrian programs in America. And he's come in there and really, really put together a nice team. You, You know, John L. Smith, Really nice player, obviously. Golden's having a great game today. But they are a lot like a Grant McCaslin team, uh, the sum of their parts um, more than maybe any one player. Now, for the Mean Green, you point to Tyler. He's obviously an exciting, scintillating player. They don't really have that. But, man, they, the FAU's got – they're just – they're really, really connected as a team on both ends of the floor. And so what they're doing right now is you and I are, are at halftime of that game. Pretty amazing because Kansas State's had a, a wonderful year. Um, it just tells you that Conference USA got overlooked. It just did. And you look at the success that Charlotte had in the uh, the CBI, a tournament that the Mean Green have won. You look at UAB in North Texas, and uh, I think we're kind of showing everybody you, you may have looked past some really good basketball teams. Yeah, I, I joked, um, and this is about when like I think FAU got to the Sweet 16. I was like, well, looks like maybe, you know, Conference USA is going to win all the postseason tournaments. Um, and a couple of upsets later, it's looking a little bit more likely. Like, you know, Alabama down, Houston losing. That yes, I had a good feeling about FAU versus Tennessee and then against this Kansas State squad. I don't know that it's a ridiculous thing to say, oh, yeah, FAU national champs. Uh, that's not, you know I mean, <laughs> if you've watched him play, if you're watching him play right now, that's not something where you're like, okay, you're not a serious person, right? <laughs> Someone's like, oh, yeah, I, could, I can kind of see that happening. Like, UConn and Texas are probably playing the best basketball, I think, of the teams remaining, just in terms of talent. And, like, you think, oh, man, they could just kind of blow teams out there. But in terms of, like, toughness, like you said, togetherness, playing as a team, playing team basketball, and not really having a weakness that you say, oh, well, that guy, it's none of that. Like FAU plays uh, in a lot of ways. It's just like waves of guys that are just solid basketball players. And like you said, I think that's been a, a thing for Grant McGaffin's had teams like that, right? You think about like the Mike Miller teams, the team that won the CBI. There's a lot of that. You're like, it was like four guys averaged 10 points a game or something like that for a while. Um, so, yeah. yeah. Right, go ahead. You're gonna... Well, I'll tell you this too, Adam, and this is just having been around him. Um, Max a very demanding coach. He's a very uh, rewarding coach, but he's become a little bit different creature around these kids when you get to this point in the season because he knows it, it's a reward to still be playing this late. And so I don't think any of the focus is laugh, lacking. I don't think any of the intensity has dropped down, but there's a little more lightheartedness with these teams behind the scenes now than I saw you know, early January into February. Um, it's a tight knit group. They know what they need to do. They pay a lot of attention to the scouting report. And I, I just feel like these guys are playing, um, in a perfect situation, going to Vegas, they're playing with house money. They know that they've got a chance to maybe win a championship and really have some fun doing it. 
and there's not a whole lot at stake other than just them doing what they know they need to do. Um, there's not a lot of pressure. It's a lot of fun right now. And I think the Mean Green fans that traveled up to Stillwater, I think they felt that. You know, they're yeah. out in the lobby after the game, a lot of them with the players and the coaches. It's a it's a very cool time to be around this team. And probably in the NCAA, it might the pressure might be, you know, force a much different scene. So, you know, enjoy the NIT for what it is. It's a it's a cool situation. Yeah, I, I mean I, I was I was talking to I think some of that is like maybe and this is maybe a sign of a great coach, is that you give them what they need, right? If you if you're like, you know what, this team needs motivation and for lack of a better term, just like a hard ass. You know what I mean? Like I'm gonna be, you know, like and then now they're like, you know what? They need somebody to with a light touch, with a joke, with a, you know, like a put your arm around them like that because they have enough pressure on themselves. Uh, and I think the best coaches don't just have one way to coach their teams. Uh, and I, I mean, like I said, I'm not there every day. I'm, I don't. I'm not in practice. He's not coaching me up, so I can't tell you firsthand. But from everything I've seen, from what I've heard, you get that sense there, and I can see. And you know, we'll we'll talk a little bit about it because I think it's a, it's a thing. Um, you can see why Grant McGaslin has been sought after in like each of the last three off seasons at varying levels of seriousness. And I think this one is uh, the most serious. So everybody who pretends to be an insider or is an insider is like, oh, yeah, it looks like Texas Tech going to take the guy. I mean, it, you know, without being an insider, I don't know anything. It does make sense. Texas Tech is one of the, la- one of the open jobs right now. And there's no obvious candidate. Like, you got Texas still open, but I think Rodney Terry is kind of actively interviewing for that job by winning games. Um, every other place has kind of filled their spot or, or talking to people. Um, it looks like Texas Tech is waiting on a guy. And who could they be waiting on? And what is happening, right? So it, it makes sense that as soon as North Texas' NIT run is over, and hopefully that is on the 30th in a winning fashion, um, that it, it looks like at least Grant McGaslin is the, the guy they're targeting. Well, and, and one thing he's really tried to do that's very hard to do when you get good at North Texas is schedule the big boys, try to get the quad one wins. Well, you can't get them if they won't schedule you. Now, you know, you have a chance to, to beat an Oklahoma State that mm-hmm. probably wouldn't have played you otherwise. Now you've got a chance to be on national TV against a Big Ten team in Wisconsin that you've never played in school history, but it's a Big Ten very well-known team, very reliable 20-win winner. So he's getting a chance to show people, if you'd let me do this all the time, I'm capable of winning. If he goes to the Big 12, um, you know, and goes to Texas Tech, if that's how it plays out, he'll have a chance to do that on a regular basis. And I think um, I saw this during the Johnny Jones era. You know, the second you beat some people and the second you become a good home team, it becomes very difficult to get the games you want. And you've got to be very creative and very selective Uh, in the games that you can get and hope that you're getting a team at a good time. But um, I love the way Grant has never been afraid to put a schedule together that would challenge you early to make you better late. And we've seen it the last, certainly the last three years, um, losses early or learning experiences. And they're not devastating. They're, they're, they're benefactors that you look back on now. And that's the sign of, of a really good coach with an excellent staff that knows exactly what they're doing from start to finish. Yeah, that's one of the things that uh, I think everybody's excited about, um, you know, going into the American, right? Uh, you're losing Houston, you're losing, like, Cincinnati, a couple of those other squads, but you, you keep a Memphis, a very good team, usually consistently, right? I think Wichita State has been very good in years past, and they just hired a new coach. Um, and then, I mean, you're staying in a league with FAU, right? Uh, you know, 
Greg, who's on the podcast, usually he's, you know, he's saying he think you know, top 25 team maybe, right? You know, or at least all this brand recognition when you're saying, hey, FAU's playing. We're playing FAU or they come into town. I think it's a little bit easier, that much easier to sell a ticket, right? That much easier to get people in, in, in the seats and to care about it. Um, and then, you know, all the metrics and things at quad one, quad two. FAU were, were they were, I think, two of the four or five quad one games for us, right? The the two losses we had. Um, and, you know, that's, that's kind of it. So adding a few more, I think that's good. Now, here's hoping. Look, whatever McCaslin chooses to do, stay or go, I think he's making a decision best for his family, and I, I don't begrudge him either way. But here's hoping when he has in charge of Texas Tech schedule, maybe he pencils in a little North Texas in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> help help us yeah, squad out, you know? <laughs> I've seen it before in contracts where if you leave, it's in your contract that wherever you go, you owe the uh, the, the school you left a, a home and home. I <laughs> hope maybe uh, that that's a, a discussion out there. But, you know, if he leaves, he leaves the place in much better shape than he found it. If he leaves, he's left an indelible mark. And, uh, you know, there's a good chance that he could leave a good assistant coach behind to take this thing over. And, and if it was Ross Hodge, I would feel really, really good about just kind of keeping the train moving. But it's a different day and time. You know, a coach leaves and you got the transfer portal and you've got all the other things that have come into play in college athletics. You know, you may have to really have a whole new look team. And I personally hate that. I, I don't agree with any of it, but it doesn't matter. That's the way it is now. And so. Um, I would say be prepared as Mean Green fans to really embrace what you have right now. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's a culmination of a lot of building, and it's a really, really good squad. Does it look the same the next year? Couldn't guarantee you that. So you better enjoy the next two games. I'm going to. Yeah, I, and, and I want to talk a little bit more about Wisconsin in a second, but I just want to sort of echo that thing. I think echo that point that you made. Is that like that's one of the things right? I don't like teams tanking like in the in professional sports because I feel like, you know, you're you're – I understand the logic of it, but I feel like I don't like any wasted moment, any wasted moment that's now. And I personally would rather a team, you know, whatever version of that team, compete right now as best you can. I think you get a little bit more of that. Uh, I think a lot of times you're pleasantly surprised by teams doing that uh, than not. Um, and, you know, anyway, so like going back to, to, to the Wisconsin one and enjoying the moment right now, uh, I don't know that – here, I'm going to knock on wood – I don't know that it could have uh, played out any better for North Texas. I think Wisconsin plays a brand of basketball that North Texas is familiar with. I always like to bring up the Bane thing, you know, like, oh, you think the dark, slow pace, physical game, a lot of tough defense? You think that's going to save you? That's what we do, right? And a lot of times teams are like, oh, they like to play. They really like to play this way, you know? And and that kind of throws them off. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what matchup – matchup uh analysis you've done and i know you've been kind of sitting in the meetings but i won't ask you to reveal any game plans Um, (laughs) but what are your first impressions of wisconsin and also do you like cheese (laughs) well i love cheese i'm kind of built like cheese so (laughs) yeah i'm a big fan of all their food Um, but it's the first ever matchup with a team that I've always thought would be fun to go play in football or basketball. I've never been to Madison. They say Madtown is one of the great Mm -hmm. uh, college towns. So maybe, maybe someday that'll happen. But, you know, when I talked to the coaches about it, I started from an angle of big 10, big, you know, and big 10 thick. And what two of the coaches came back to me with was forget all that. They're big 10 smart. You know, this team that doesn't turn the ball over, um, they're, they're nationally 
consistent at the top of the charts in terms of protecting the basketball, much like the mean green have been last two years in suppressing offensive scoring. Um, so you've got two teams that, that have an identity in something. And I think that's going to be interesting. Um, they're a better three point shooting team than they have been. We've been a pretty good defensive three pointing uh, defensive team. You know, I, I think it's a really cool matchup. They, they really played well in the three games of the NIT. So like Dave and I have said several times on our broadcast, sometimes when it comes down to this tournament, it is how much does it matter to the opposition? I mean, how much does it mean to win and move on for Wisconsin? It's mattered quite a bit, you know? And um, so I think you find a team that's certainly not going to be disinterested. They're going to be very happy to be in Vegas. They want to cut some nets down. And uh, I don't look at any one specific matchup yet. I look more at just team makeup. You know, can we, as North Texas impose our will effectively because they've been scoring some points in this NIT. Can we continue to, to make people score in the fifties? And I think we can. Yeah. I, I think for me, at least from what I saw, and I, I was reading something about, uh, I think I forget his name, uh, but the guy writes staring, staring at the floorboards.net. It's like basketball analysis. Um, but basically like the NIT, the like, do you care effect is mostly like a first, second round kind of thing. And that makes sense. Right. right? Cause you just, had the disappointment of not making the tournament, whether you lost in the conference tournament or, or what have you, right? Maybe you just didn't get that large bid you wanted. And so that's the point, especially that spring break, nobody's there. That's the point in time where it's a little weird. But I think at this point, like you've won a couple games, you've been tested, and you're going to Vegas, and just like all of this other stuff, it feels like a big enough event that um, you probably care again, right? And whatever made you a good enough basketball team to earn this bid is present, and then you're kind of clicking again. Uh, I think, you know, I was talking to Tyler Perry about this before. I think one thing that may affect both squads is the time off, right? It's, you know, you're playing. It was like you beat a Sam Houston State, and then a couple of days later you play at Oklahoma State. It's, it's good to kind of keep that momentum going. But now it's like, all right, well, it's a bunch of practices, and maybe people patting you on the back a little bit, right? So, I mean, I don't know. What, what do you think about that as a factor? Yeah, I mean, I think this late into it, a little rest doesn't hurt anybody. Um, and then, you know, uh, we all kind of get there at different times tomorrow. I'm not traveling with the team. I'm traveling with some other uh, folks adjacent to the team. And by the time we get to Vegas, it'll be early evening. Um, I think the excitement factor will kick in. You know, it did in the tournament at the Baja Mar in the Bahamas, and the team played really well. We got beat by a good UNC Wilming team that bared yeah, out yeah. to be a very good team. Yeah. But once they got there – the excitement kicked in um, uh, the game earlier this year against Grand Canyon, uh, which played in the, uh, the Suns NBA arena, the excitement yeah. kicked in. There's a bunch of guys that kind of like being in the venue and knowing that it, it's a reward and it means something. So they don't, uh, they don't take it for granted. And that's what I really like about this team. You know, they just, they, they kind of are, uh, they're a team like a car that just, once you find that gear, man, you don't need to mess around a whole <laughs> lot. You can kind of, you can yeah. kind of stay in that gear for a while. And uh, I hope, you know, that they, they get out there and decide uh, two games in Vegas is really important to them because if that's what they decide, they can definitely win this thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, like I think the thing is that, you know, at this point everybody's a good team, right? You know, like Wisconsin's a good team. Uh, Utah Valley, we've seen they're a good team. And then we know, we know how good UAB is, right? We know they can turn it up. We know they have talent. And so I think any of these teams, North Texas included, obviously, 
can win this thing and it would feel deserved. You're like, that team was good. They played good at the right time. They had big moments. They had big time players, big time coaching. Um, and so, you know, like, I, I don't really feel, I don't say I'm, I'm sort of maybe uh, anticipating a disappointment, but it's it's more like, I don't really feel like it would be bad to lose to any of these teams. You know what I mean? Like, it's, they're all quality teams. It's not, it's not even so much about, at least in my opinion, about them showing up. I'm like, yeah, I think, yeah, they're going to be ready to play. Sometimes you're going to get beat because the other team's good, right? Sometimes, uh, you know, I, I, I thought about it again. Ruben Jones, I thought he did a hell of a job guarding um, Jordan Walker, Jelly Walker, and he just hit some shots in his face, right? I was sitting next to the FAU squad, and they were just like, there's nothing, you can't, I mean, the, the coaching staff, and they were like, yeah, you can't do anything about that. Um, you know, I think you have your best, the league's best defender. They voted him, uh, Ruben Jones, I mean, Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year, that he was their vote for it. And they're like, I don't know that you can defend him any better than he's trying right now. So, I mean, I think all that is a fact. Sometimes you might get beat by better teams. I think that's just a caveat, I guess, for you know, me mentally as I'm going into it. Um, you, you know, uh, when you talk about Ruben, and, and I think Ruben is always a key, um, that defense that he plays, if you'll just, as a fan, maybe sit back a couple of possessions and just watch his hands, just watch his hands, you'll see how good a defender he is. And I know this from we kind of, uh, Luke Della, who does an unbelievable job with media relations, you know, he and I are always coming up with little questions that, you know, we ask each other. And uh, one of them was, you know, who's the most coachable player? Who who has the best basketball IQ on this team? And, you know, the coaches come back and say it's Ruben. If you give Ruben, you know, you watch how many games he's played since he's been a freshman, you give him a game plan and you tell him offensively and defensively, here's what we have to do to win. Ruben will will do as good a job as executing on both ends of the floor. Now, he's had some turnover problems. I think he speeds himself up sometimes when he gets the ball in the open court. But, man, I mean, he's got a 42-inch running vertical leap. He's an unbelievable athlete. And when Ruben's playing at a, at a high level, um, he he's really fun, fun to watch. Yeah, I'd love to see him get another matchup with Jelly. I really would. <laughs> I, I think he, he played well the first time, like you said, but Jelly was on, no doubt. Um, I think a, a final game uh, in the championship, if you got UAB, would be great. Now, my partner Dave Barnett says no. Don't want to see him again. Let's uh, <laughs> let's just get there and play Utah Valley. Um, the only danger with that is Utah Valley is really good, but probably people don't appreciate them because yeah. that's a real new name in college basketball. <laughs> a lot of people have no idea who they are, but I've been impressed with them. Yeah, I think uh, when I first saw it, someone was like, oh, yeah, Utah. And I was like, I don't know that Utah's in it. And I had to look at it again. <laughs> oh, Utah Valley. Okay. Now, where is that again? You know, where, get my Wikipedia out. Um, all right. So, you know, I don't want to keep you too long, but, you know, I'm, I'm keeping no, an no, eye on No, no, I'm good. All right. We do have a second half to watch, though. Yeah, I know, I'm keeping an eye on that one. Uh, this, this kid, <laughs> I am no, too. Yeah, Noel's out here throwing ridiculous passes. And uh, so if you you hear me shout, you know, if you watch me and I'm like, oh, my God, I throw the microphone. That's why. Um, <laughs> so, all right, talking about it, I, personally, I would like to see it, it's a little bit storybook moment. For North Texas to have been eliminated from the Conference USA tournament by UAB to get a little revenge uh, against them in the NIT, I feel like that's just a little poetic justice. And, you know, it, it, it's kind of the thing we wanted to see, um, like, you know, a couple years ago uh, when North Texas was eliminated by Louisiana Tech. We wanted to see all season long UAB versus 
uh, North Texas in the, in the tournament. We didn't get to see that matchup. Very good North Texas squad against a very good UAB squad. And I think this year, um, I mean, I wanted Florida Atlantic again, but whatever. You know, so I, I think that, that that's what I'm excited about. But obviously, whoever comes out of that one, I want North Texas to beat them um, because I want North Texas to win the NIT tournament. You know, look at me, biased. Biased reporter over here. Uh, <laughs> um, all right, so as far as like, uh, yeah, have you seen the venue? The, was it the Orleans Arena, Orleans Arena? It's it's not a real big arena, and I don't know how many total tickets have been sold, but a lot of the good seats are already spoken for. Now, maybe those are block tickets that won't end up being full, but I think it, it should be pretty cool. Um, we found out where we're staying, and actually it's a very, very nice part of uh, New Orleans. The Orleans Arena, as I recall, is kind of on the outskirts of New Orleans. It's not right in the thick of things, but the hotel, uh, the Vidara and and – connects to the aria are very nice hotel so i think the fans that come out um especially those that know their way around vegas will be like wow this is a really big time situation what i heard was um there's a couple of big concerts going on right now that are snapping up a lot of the hotel rooms so it's not as easy to get you know complete access to what you want right away but uh you know it's vegas it's always busy always a lot going on and uh, we were out there for football, you know, for the game against UNLV. And uh, it was a reminder. I hadn't been in a while just, you know, how <laughs> how exciting Vegas can be over a short period of time. I think you get kind of tired <laughs> of it after about five five days. But I hope we're there for five days. That would be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I've been there a couple of times, right? Like, I think once for a wedding, once for just, just visiting, once to visit family. You know, just like a little thing, different reasons to go there. Um, and you know, like you're right, it's fun to go do some of that, but I think a lot of that can probably wear on you again. You know, you just, it's a lot of lights. It's like being at a party too long. You're like, I got to go home. <laughs> I can't, I can't <laughs> be anymore. Um, yeah. So like, you're right. The, the Orleans arena casino and hotel is a little bit, I think it's technically in paradise, Nevada and then the strip, but it's like, it's like an eight minute drive. It's like right there. It's all kind of right there. I mean, there's nothing like I'm, I'm saying there's nothing really in Vegas except the, you know, the strip and all that. Because it's the desert. That was like the whole plan. They're like, there's nothing here. We can put whatever we want. How about some casinos? Let's do it. And that's, you know, that's kind of how they did it. Um, so, you know, they're very good at taking and separating you from your money and making you feel good about that. I don't know that they're, they're very good at it. They're like, man, I spent, I just lost $3,000. Isn't that crazy? I had such a great time. <laughs> such a great they're, time. Uh, they're experts at that. I'll, I'll steer clear of uh, a lot of that and hopefully <laughs> spend more time in the, uh, the film room and the uh, behind yeah. the scenes with the team. It's been honestly so much fun to, to see the inner workings of, of Grant McCaslin and Ross Hodge and Matt Breyer and the whole staff that um, I'm just really looking forward to another couple of opportunities. You know, when it ends, it ends. But, you know, if you go back to the beginning and you look at what has been accomplished, uh, that improbable CBI run his first year was a blast. And it ended mm -hmm. up, I think, really re-energizing uh, some people that hadn't been to Mean Green Basketball in a while. Um, the pandemic came in and, and really robbed a lot of consumption of some of the best basketball North Texas has ever played. That 2020 team was was exceptional. Mm. And then luckily the, the 21 team comes back and backs it up and, and is able to to get to the NCAA tournament. But only a handful of fans really got to experience, you know, the, uh, the upset of Purdue. Um, yeah. You know, it'll always be a sore spot with me that because of the pandemic, we couldn't go and broadcast it in person. We called it on a monitor um, yeah. and yet huge success. And then you just look at the last couple of years and 
And this is a tournament we would have dreamed of going to for a number of years. You know, now you're almost disappointed it's not the NCAA, <laughs> and yet you're playing for an NIT championship. So I just think uh, this has been a, a terrific, really terrific run um, with great kids, great coaches, a lot of success. And if it does kind of come to an end with Grant moving on, um, I just hope it's a celebration in Vegas. I, I really do. It would be great for him and great for our fan base. So you're saying all that with that kind of tone, you know, that very whistle tone, you know, like it's, uh, I can hear the uh, Sarah McLaughlin in the background, you know. Uh, <laughs> Please, no, no. <laughs> but, I mean, I, I think it's that's a good way to look at it all the time, right? You always got to appreciate now because you don't know it's going to change, right? Next year it's going to be a different group of guys out there, and they might not be as as cohesive, right? And and all those things, right? You never know. Maybe a coach moves them. Maybe Grant stays, but a different some of the staff leaves. You never know. It's always going to be a little different. It's not going to even if it's the same guys, it'll feel different, right? Everything, it, it can't stay the same. So I think that's a, an appropriate way to treat all that. Um, and and you're right. You look, the, this season has been entertaining, right? And a lot of what this is is about entertainment. And I think you're right. It's it's a chance to go win something, and um, you know. You can feel good about that. Everybody can feel good about that. I'm excited that, you know, I'm going to be out there and that other people get to travel. I've seen people talk about their trips and their trip plans. Um, I think it's good. And the, the thing is that, like, yeah, I, I try not to look, again, look to the future too much, right? Because, again, enjoy the now. But this is the kind of thing you build on, right? It's like it's those small bowl trips that you're enthralled with and excited about so you can build on the next one, right? I mean, there was a time when, North Texas wasn't going to any bowls there for a long, long time. And then, you know, they win one. That was great. And, like, you're right. You know, like after a while, you're like, oh, another bowl. You can you can feel it. It's kind of silly. Remember when we were excited about bowls and now we're all oh, yeah. sad about it? Isn't that, isn't that weird? So I think you need a, a little bit of a balance there. Um, so I, I I guess what I would say is, like, do you, what are your predictions? Uh, can you give predictions? I know you're calling the game. I don't uh, about what happens. Like, do they come out strong? We'll be very generic about it. No, I mean, I feel really good about the matchup only because um, it it looks like a team that could play into to what North Texas does well. I think it's always important when you're on a neutral site to establish your identity early, you know, and and that. That falling behind against UAB in Frisco was, A, very uh, off script for the Mean Green. Mm -hmm. But it, I was never that worried. You know, I mean, they made the comeback you you normally make against the big first half lead. Mm -hmm. The problem, I thought, in that game was the best player for the Mean Green at the time, Aaron Scott. He comes out and begins the second half. He, he gets a, a, a block steal. He goes down and scores on a bucket. And then two plays later – he gets tied up in a, a situation where his, you know, his eyebrow gets split open yeah. and you split your eyebrow. You don't just suit, you know, you can't just <laughs> bandaid it. You got to go get stitches. So he's gone for 10 minutes. And that's when that game in my mind really got away from us. It wasn't the 22 to two, in my opinion, you'd like to start better, but it was, it was losing him. He's been so critical. But when you're, when you're out there in Vegas against the Wisconsin team, I think you do have to get a good start. You got to get your sea legs underneath you. Like you said, it, be a few days off in between. So I think the big thing for the mean green is just, Hey, pick up where we left off. You were at Gallagher Iba arena in the, in the middle of a game you had to win in overtime. Let's, let's not be soft at the beginning against a Badger team that obviously is used to playing hard. That's what big 10 basketball is. If we do that, I feel like, you know, you're in for a good game. And then 
hey, you get to that championship game, and I, I really believe you're playing with house money, whoever you play. I, I, I think that's true. So well, the good news is last time we played a Big Ten team right in, the, in a postseason tournament was Purdue, and everybody said a lot of the same things. They're big, they're strong, they're this, that, and the other. North Texas upset them. Uh, I think you're right about like kind of starting out and playing the way you can play. I think you, you don't, again, every team is good. You don't get a lot of room for error. You don't get a lot of second chances. You might not even get, uh, you know, the first second chance, so to speak, right? That um, I, I think a lot of it just playing within themselves and, and doing what they can do. And, I mean, I, I think, you know, they, it's Aaron Scott getting the ball to Tyler Perry, everybody attacking and, and paying attention to the details. And, you know, Max says that all the time. And I, there's a podcast today, I think, um, you know, uh, Thomas Bell, Zach Simmons were talking on, like, the Bristol Flyers podcast. And they were talking about their time at North Texas saying, yeah, you know, you know, Grant McGasson basketball, like paying attention to details. That's what we do. We sweat the details. And so I'm not really worried about that. I think a lot of it is just sort of reacting to the moment, right? That call goes your way, calls goes against you. You have to stick to the details. And they, they're very good at doing that. So I, I feel good about this whole week. Um, and I feel good about it when we lose a draw. I think they're going to give a good performance, a good account of themselves no matter what happens. Hey, and you know it's great to hear you say names like Zach Simmons, Thomas Bell. Zach, Zach Simmons said he wanted to, to utilize the extra year, which he could have. He would have really entrenched himself in the top three in almost every category that that any any you know power forward center could have. Um, I think Thomas Bell is one of the best players, maybe one of the best athletes, regardless of sport that North Texas has ever had. And again, a guy that was not recruited by anybody else had to be found and brought here. And then a total Swiss army knife. I mean, he could fix a lot of games for you on the floor because he could play so many positions and probably have missed him in some games this year where uh, in the few games where we've had some trouble, maybe figuring out what was going on, you know, wrong. Thomas could fix it for you. You know, Thomas and Mac together could huddle up and get it going. So great players. And then JV on Hamlet. Followed by Tyler Perry. I mean, if you can't really understand the quality of kids that have come here that nobody else offered, yeah. I and mean, they had no Division One offers. Yeah, Kai Huntsbury, no Division One offers. What a, what a huge addition he's been. So there's a there's a lot of great things going on other than just X's and O's. And uh, I, I guess I, I'm kind of curious. I haven't heard it yet, but how was Tyler today when you talked to him? Do you sound excited? Uh yeah, he said he's excited to play. I mean, he said he doesn't like the week off, right? I mean, and that makes sense. He said he'd rather keep it going and just, you know, maybe a day or two off. Everybody needs some rest, but he kind of gets stir crazy. He wants to go play basketball, and I mean, it makes sense, right? You know, like yeah, you're in it, you want to play it. Um, uh, what was I gonna say? I, I think you know you're you're mentioning these guys, and I you know I had talked to to Grant McGasson before the season, um. Like, you got your Thomas Bell, and that sort of turns into Aaron Scott, because Aaron Scott does a lot of that now. And, I mean, no slight on Thomas Bell, because I think he was very good and, and maybe better in certain other ways. But, like, Aaron Scott has more three-point range, more consistent three-point range than your Thomas Bell. But I think there are a lot of that, you know, that's part of building a program, where it's not just pulling up some film from some other programs, some other school. You can say, hey, look at this guy, number 13, played here. This is what he did. Or and you practice with him, you played with him. You can do that, and then it's easier to the, it clicks. You're like, yeah, I remember how you approached the game. I remember how you approached practice, that kind of thing. Same thing with like you know Javion Hamlet. You can you can say, hey, look, uh, TP, look at this. This is how we want you to take o- uh, take over the games late. 
all those things, right? I I, I love that uh, Usman was the understudy for Zach Simmons, and I've said it a bunch of times on the show, is that I think those huge minutes that Usman played uh, against Charles Bassey, right? Conference USA Defensive Player of the Year, current NBA guy, where he came in and scored a bucket against him late in that uh, Conference USA Championship game. That it, That's a thing, right? Play four or five minutes, don't lose anything, so that way Zach can get a breather and come back in. And one, that's great teamwork, and then two, that's something to build on for the next time. And so then when you, when you have a big man that's maybe not getting time, you can point to that and say, look, this guy did it. You can go talk to him and talk about that situation and what we asked of him and how that improved and all that good stuff. It makes your program better when you have in-house examples or in-program examples kind of deal. So I, I'm, yeah, I, I love all that stuff. Uh, well, and, and to that point, I know we're probably running out of time, but the other guy who's come a long way since, what, February 8th, I think, was the UAB game. Abu is having consistent foul trouble. Um, and Abu, obviously, is a great rim protector, a good shot blocker in the 40s on blocks this year. And when he's on, he's on. Um, but Mulai Sissoko was a guy we really kept kind of looking at going, well, great kid, interesting story, wonderful kid to talk to, big, but we're really not seeing him much. And from that game on, not only have we seen him a lot, he doesn't make any mistakes. He may not do anything that just you're like, whoa. Yeah. But you know what? At the end of the day, you're like, whoa, this guy actually is incredibly solid. And 15 rebounds the other night uh, to advance you to Vegas. If, if you didn't love what Mulai has been able to do, then, yeah, it's that understudy thing. It, it, bigs have to be kind of thrown into the fire. And, and Mulai had a, what, a 44-game um, Vita coming from – uh, Dayton, great program, mm-hmm. um, but we really hadn't seen him much until that UAB game. And think how far he's come, and how far the team has developed with him as a weapon. When you don't have Abu, and hopefully um, everything is good with Abu. You know, yeah. we haven't really been told. Just you know, family situation, and he, he's where he needs to be, and such a wonderful human being. So I hope nothing but the best for him. But yeah. Mulai has supplanted that role in many ways. Yeah, and I, I think that was the thing because there was a lot of like fan criticism. Like, what's going on with this guy? And he's supposed to be the backup big. It seems like he's not getting time. Maybe even they're giving some criticism to to the coaching staff. And I always say, like, I mean, you got to earn it, right? And I, I, I think uh, just an example of how far he's come this season. Uh, Sissoko got the ball. It was uh, against Middle in that January time period. And he's running a set, and he, he turns the ball over. And he was in the game for like three minutes. He got a rebound, but then the, on the offensive end, he turns the ball over. And the staff was not pleased by this kind of turnover, and so they yanked him out the game. Um, you know, I said, like, when you're the, when you're the backup guy, you're not going to get 15 minutes to figure out things. you got to come in and play, and you got to come in and perform. And then that two minutes turns to five minutes, turns to seven, turns to whatever it is, right? And to his credit, he did it. He started earning his minutes. And where he was getting about half, it was about half and half. Uh, and now, yeah, like, so he's ready. And, again, credit to him from for earning all that stuff. I think a little similar situation happened to Jaden Martinez. I know he was, he was getting injured a little bit. But uh, Sissoko basically took all of his minutes. There's only so many minutes to go around. But, uh, you know, I said this on the show, too. i like, hey, look, it's the same deal. Like, Martinez, got he has to be ready. He's going to get two minutes. you got to star in that two minutes in your role. Do the whole thing. I thought he's played well. I thought he had a great, what was it, about 10 minutes against Oklahoma State. He scored five in the second half on, like, three shots. That's exactly what. And one of those shots was, like, a hand grenade where they were like, hey, three seconds, they threw it at him. I mean, you know, you can't do anything with that. You know, so 
That that was not a bad shot. That just whatever. Uh, but on the ones he had, he's catching, he's ready to shoot. He knocked down a three pointer. He's had five points in the second half. That's it. That's exactly what you need. So I mean, all of that is just supporting exactly what you said. I think it's been big time. Well, there's only a handful of of kids out there that have scored over thirteen hundred points, pulled down seven hundred or more rebounds, hundred and fifty or more made threes, a hundred steals. And that's what Jaden Martinez is. So you tend to forget, even though he, he missed some time with with a bad back, mm-hmm. this is a guy that's played in a lot of games, produced in a lot of games. And so he was brought in from New Hampshire um, as a guy that, that had that on his resume. And you don't see it every game, but, man, there's games where you know he can do it. Yeah. Same thing with Tyree Eady. You know, his numbers are not huge, and yet his, his defensive consistency has been, I would say, superlative. It's really been good. You, you – tend to lose sight that, well, he may not be scoring a lot, but he's doing that. He's playing with a bad hand right now, but there's another guy, you know, he played in four straight Summit League championship games. He's used to postseason pressure. He's a six-year guy, and he's just really mature. So some of these new guys that were brought in to fit into the locker room not only are wonderful kids, young men, that did fit into the locker room, but they, they've they got plenty of time – over the course of the season where they've been a big, big part of wins. And yeah. that's what you love now that you've got two games left and you're in a championship situation that they're, they're going to have good moments because it's too much a part of their DNA at this point. Yeah. I always think like back to the NBA and I'm, I'm I guess I'm getting older now. I, my first thoughts are like the nineties bulls and stuff. Um, but like, I was thinking about some of those teams, right? Like uh, Ron Harper, he, he used to score 20 points a game, and then he went to the Bulls, and he was like, well, I'm going to be a defensive first guy. I'm going to score my nine points a game because Mike Jordan is going to be the number one. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think about the Spurs. I grew up a Spurs fan, right? Like, Tony Parker could have averaged 25 a game. Tim Duncan could have averaged 27 a game. Ginobili could have averaged 20. And everybody kind of says, you know what, I'm going to take a step back to do that. And, you know, you're talking about these guys that have had success at programs. They could have stayed there and you said, you know what, I, w- I really want to average 15, 16 a game over here, take all the shots. But they're like, no, let me go to this winning program and let me – and they're going to ask me to rebound and play defense, right? You know, there's not a lot of glory on rebounding and playing defense, right? You know, there's not a lot There's not a lot of clips on social media. They're like, look at him blocking out, you know what I mean? Look at him getting in the passing lane, but you know, just, just deterring the pass from even being attempted. But that is winning basketball, right? And I, I appreciate that. Edie's been great defensively. I think Martinez has been asked to, to do a lot of big man stuff, and he's not that big. Um, you know, I, I think he's been, I think they've excelled in their roles. And like you said, they have the ability to play a little bit beyond that. They could, you know, if we had to and say, hey, go score points for us, they they probably could. But obviously, you know, we got Kai for that. We got Tyler Perry for that. Uh, and a little bit Aaron Scott. So, yeah, I think it's a, uh, it's, it's praising the team all the time. Round of applause. Well, I think, uh, you know, to your point, some of those things that not everybody else is going to celebrate this team does celebrate. So yeah. from from the team to the coaches to the managers to the trainer, uh, the little things do get celebrated. And, um, you know, you can go back to, to talking about Thomas Bell and Zach Simmons. It's always in the details. And it's great to hear those kids looking back on it, realizing that that was what yeah. was, was probably a big, big part of the success. But uh, – um, an amazing run. I got in trouble today at practice. I told him, I said, Hey, when we, when we win the championship, I've got to catch an earlier flight out. Cause I'd already made plans this weekend with the uh, family 
to do something. And Matt goes, so you didn't think we were going to the final four when the season began? I said, <laughs> I'd have gladly changed family plans had we gone to the final four, but Hey, <laughs> we're going to the final four of the NIT. It's wonderful for the university, but um, you know, it, getting off the bus the other night, I, I texted Mac and said, it, it's not so much the miracle of what you've done. It's, it's how you've done it. And it's been the same since you got here in 2017 and 18, you put something in place that is uh, it, it's something you can depend on. And that doesn't always happen. There's always kind of some some flash in the pan teams sometimes in athletics that, you know, they were good for a year or two, but they weren't built to last. What he's done and the way he does it is built to last. And so, um, yeah, I hope some of it is left behind if he moves on. I think, I think that could really be the case. But I get back to what I've said several times, just – don't worry about all that right now, Mean Green fans. Really, really have some fun in the next two games because I think there's going to be two games. I really do, and I think it's uh, um, whether you're watching it or whether you're going to Vegas or whether you hopefully you listen to it on the radio at some level, uh, I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, uh, again, Hank Dickinson, the great Hank Dickinson, um, Mean Green Radio Network. Um, or, uh, do you call yourself the color commentator? Are you just the the the? What is it? What do you go? I'm just the guy to? that interrupts Dave, and I try not to do it too much because he's got a great call. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm one of my buddies that did stats for us says you're you're more color than analysis, so just keep doing what you're doing. But I I try to provide a little bit of everything. Uh yeah, so again, listen to it. it's on on the Varsity Network app is what it is right, um and all that other good stuff. We can find you on Twitter. I think it's mg. RNPXP. Right? Mean Green Radio Network PXP for play by play. So nice. yeah. All right. You get you get a lot of Denton Chamber of Commerce and a lot of Mean Green on there. So if that's what you want, you'll get you'll get your fill. <laughs> you don't like they, they can get a variety of things. It's all right. You know, you have uh you have some meat and potatoes and some vegetables. It's all right. It's all good, you know? They'll they'll enjoy it. Hey, I just hope I get the same fat seat that I had <laughs> in uh in Stillwater, because that satin mean green jacket that Devin Lewis loaned me to wear, it has been a good luck jacket, and it is packed for Vegas. So it keeps people from looking at my old face. They like the jacket. They just don't look at me. Well, I mean, we can see you clearly on the broadcast there, because you very much stand out, you know, it's, you know, satin there. Um, and, you know, like, I, I think it's, it's a nice little setup there. I was looking at it. It's like an, a hockey arena kind of deal. So it will be a little bit different, a little bit. Everybody should have a good seat. You should clearly be able to see uh, Hank Dickinson and, and Dave Barnett there uh, sitting there calling well, the game. Yeah. You, you're, the, all, the you're in all the photos. Is, <laughs> you see that? <laughs> it's more important for me to be heard than seen, especially at this point in life. But uh, it's been a lot of fun down the stretch. Just just everything about it has been a blast. And uh, my, my favorite is when social media posts Andrew Wright, the uh, strength coach, going crazy after a victory. If, if that happens, then you know something good has occurred. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thanks again for listening to the Mingo Nation podcast. Thanks to Hank for listening. Uh, we'll see y'all in Vegas. Uh, I think that's going to be our next show. We did two today. Again, go back, listen to Tyler Perry, listen to Hank. We'll let y'all know next time we have Hank on. We're going to try to abuse this relationship, have him on here all the time. You know? <laughs> uh, see you in Vegas. Yeah, go Mingo Green.